0: Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? What's our part in building up a new world? we're building up a new world. I'm so grateful for this song I learned years ago from Dr. Vincent Harding. It helps me find my center, my grounding when things are hard. This version is a live recording of a group called No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians here in Denver, Colorado who come together for movement choir practice, bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. I'm Reverend D- Ann Dunlap. Anne Dunlap, back with you today. I'm a UCC pastor in Denver here on Cheyenne and Arapaho land and the faith organizer for showing up for racial justice or surge nationally. And this podcast is a project of Surge Faith, and it's particularly designed for white people. White people talking to other white people about race and white supremacy. We believe white people like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. We'd love to hear from you, and especially from folks of color, about how we're doing. The word is resistance. It's a cold and gray day here in Denver, flirting with snow. Trees are becoming more bare as we spiral inwards deeper into autumn and closer to winter. As I've been reading and preparing for this podcast, we celebrated All Saints and All Souls days in Christian tradition. We're at a time of year that many spiritual traditions recognize as a thin time when our ability to connect more closely with the ancestors is intensified. So I've been thinking about my grandmothers, my mama and daddy's mamas, in the last week or so, Eunice and Marion. I've been thinking of grandmothers in spirit, if you will, those ancestors who still hold me up, those elders who maybe I never met but show up when I call. Who are those ancestors for you? Bring them to mind, to heart, right now. Who are the ones you call on in times like these? What are their names? Who are the grandmothers, the grandparents, the elders, the cloud of witnesses who show up when you call them to sing courage back into your bones? the power of grandmother elders, too, I suppose, because of this reading from wisdom in this Sunday's lectionary. I'm actually going to read it for you in a minute, but I wanted to say I'm not sure I've ever heard a sermon based on the wisdom of Solomon. Have you? Wisdom being part of the apocrypha that lots of Protestants ignore as sacred text, I'm always surprised when it shows up in the lectionary though, curiously, there are more selections from wisdom than some of the minor prophets. Yet, I've not ever heard a sermon on wisdom that I can remember, on Lady Wisdom, to be specific, as she appears in this book. Perhaps that's why. At any rate, as I read through the selections for this Sunday, these elegant lines from wisdom seemed so different from shouty Joshua and confusing Jesus and angry, perplexed Amos, even mystical Paul, even the overly familiar Psalms. In the midst of all that, she seems out of place, Lady Wisdom does. Listen. Wisdom is radiant and unfading and she is easily discerned by those who love her, and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty, for she will be found sitting at the gate. To fix one's thought on her is perfect understanding and one who is vigilant on her account will soon be free from care because she goes about seeking those worthy of her and she graciously appears to them in their paths and meets them in every thought. The beginning of wisdom is the most sincere desire for instruction and concern for instruction is love of her And love of her is the keeping of her songs. And giving heed to her songs is assurance of immortality. And immortality brings one near to God, so the desire for wisdom leads to a kingdom. That is nothing like the reading from Joshua, is it? telling the people they have to choose, who will you serve, the one God or those gods over there? The people say they choose the one God, and then Joshua reminds me of that a few good men scene. You can't handle the truth. You can't serve the one God. And then there are these words describing the one God, jealous, who will cause you harm, who will consume you. I mean, what kind of a choice is it if Joshua is threatening you with a violent God? In the Matthew parable, one instance of lack of planning and five bridesmaids are locked out. Forever? Who knows, actually, but apparently that's the kingdom of heaven? I'm getting weary of these confusing parables of Matthews, aren't you? Against these texts, wisdom seems like an outlier, an outsider marginalized from the dominant readings of these texts as excuses for conquest, for building border walls around the eternal, for an angry God who doesn't want to hear our songs. Let me be more clear. There is no place for Lady Wisdom with these texts of patriarchal and hierarchical violence and exclusion. Dominance in texts is at the center. And the dominant interest of these texts is at the center as well. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her, and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her, and love of her is the keeping of her songs. This weekend, I had the incredible privilege of being in the presence of womanist ethicist and Dean of Vanderbilt Divinity School, Reverend Dr. Emily Towns. I was nourished by her preaching. I took furious notes during her lecture. I shared in a meal with her and in offering her a blessing. And I was blessed by her to keep singing my song, our song. Being steeped in her wisdom for the last couple of days has been a gift. And it set me wondering, what if I have it backwards? What if we have it backwards? What if Lady Wisdom is meant to be at the center? What if Lady Wisdom is meant to be at the center, casting the other text into contrast with her, instead of the other way around, where she is compared with the patriarchal center and found wanting? Because that's how it works, right? The dominant voice at the center: patriarchy, white supremacy, conquest, heterosexism. Name them; they get to make the rules. And those at the edge, the poor, the brown and black, the women and femmes, the queers—they are all found wanting. Is meant to be at the center, and we read the other texts through her radiance. What happens then? I first really read the Wisdom of Solomon about eight years ago, after I had an encounter with the Divine Feminine while on retreat. I came back home and met with my spiritual director and asked her, being the Bible-lover that I am, where in the world in Scripture was there any kind of precedence for the kind of experience I had just had? Nowhere in my Protestant non-apocrypha reading upbringing was there anything that had prepared me for the embodied, radiant way the Divine showed up at my sun-filled hermitage. My spiritual director read to me from Wisdom, Chapter 7, There is in her a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all power overseeing all and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent, pure, and altogether subtle. For wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things, for she is a breath of the power of God. She is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. I was astounded. How come nobody had ever told me this was in the Bible? The answer to that is patriarchy, of course. Wisdom in this tradition is considered the essence of the divine, existing from the beginning of everything. Personified as feminine, wisdom is that quality of the divine that lives in the creative breath of divine expression. And it is wisdom, according to this book, wisdom who protects, wisdom who rescues, wisdom who prospers, who delivers, wisdom who liberates. Lady, wisdom who liberates. This book, The Wisdom of Solomon, was written as an encouragement to Diasporic Jews experiencing oppression. Written, scholars think, at the end of the 1st century BCE or early in the 1st century CE, which is to say it was written somewhere around the lifetime of Jesus and Jesus' mama and his mama's mama. I just think that's interesting to think about the kinds of things that were in the air in the lifetime of Jesus. The kinds of resistance songs being sung by his ancestors into his bones, whether or not he ever read it or even heard of it. What are the resistance songs being sung by people being oppressed by the Roman Empire? How are they trying to figure out how to survive, to thrive even? Wisdom is one of those songs written as an act of resistance against anti-Jewish violence and oppression. And central to it is this. One way we're going to survive is to seek after, to desire, divine wisdom. To live into Lady Wisdom's teachings, Lady Wisdom whose qualities are nothing at all like the violent empire around us. We survive the empire by centering the Divine Feminine. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty, for she will be found sitting at the gate and love of her is the keeping of her songs. There are three things I want us to notice about wisdom and how we're meant to engage with her. We are meant to desire her. And so we're clear, the Greek here is exactly the kind of desire you hope I'm not talking about, but I am. That physical yearning, that embodied longing and passion Which is to say, we aren't talking about instruction that produces intellectual knowledge. Rather, a knowing that we know in our bodies. We are meant to know Lady Wisdom in our bodies. The way in my herbal studies lineage, we are taught to get to know herbs, not by reading about them, but by drinking their tea. Anointing with their oil, carrying them in our pockets and bosoms, sleeping and dreaming and journeying with them. To know Rose, that flower so closely associated with the Divine Feminine. To know Rose in our bodies long before we ever know her in our intellects. It's the kind of knowing not valued by white supremacy, which is all intellect and control and certainty. Embodied knowledge. Desire. She hastens, the text says, she hastens to those who desire her to know her down in our bones. Second is the gate and our desire for her. Where do we find her? Where do we look? When I said we must center the divine feminine, let's pay attention to where she actually says she is, which is not actually at the center as defined by dominant power. She is not to be found in the centers of power but the centers of the communities marginalized by dominant power. At the gate, which is to say on the edge, on the margin, in that thin space between inside and outside, the place where all the good stuff happens, trade and gossip and encounters and contracts and life, the daily lived life of a people, that's where we find her. And third, her songs. The love of her is the keeping of her songs. Now, if you've pulled out your Bible, or I guess used Google, to read this text for yourself, you will notice it says nothing about songs. What it says is laws. The love of her is the keeping of her laws. Every translation I looked at says laws, which makes sense in a way since for Jewish texts, the Greek nomos is most often what is used when Torah is meant, and one of nomos's definitions is certainly law. But law is not a great way to understand Torah, and law has very problematic baggage for us thanks to misuses of Paul. And so it did not feel right for wisdom to be concerned about laws. Think of that section I read from chapter 7 again. So I looked up Nomos, and lo and behold, one of its definitions is song. The love of her is the keeping of her songs. Law is a very binary, either-or, keep-or-break, good-or-bad type of idea, but songs? Songs can break our hearts and heal them all at once. Lullabies and resistance cries, laments and celebrations, choruses and trios and solos, Songs can be hymns and arias and filigree jazz scats. Songs are what we know down in our bones. And love songs, love songs, I am certain, are what Lady Wisdom sings to help get us free. The love of her is the keeping of her songs. We follow our desire for her. We sit down with her on the margins and we learn her songs love songs, liberation songs, resistance songs, freedom songs, so we sit down with her and tune our hearts to her melody and try reading the rest of these texts. How do we read these texts and keep her songs? Again, I find Rev. Dr. Towns helpful, who reminded us in her lecture to read the Bible with the womanist practice of beholding both and which gives space for recognizing what we find to be useful and liberating and dealing honestly with what is harmful and oppressive. So we sit with her, and hum her song, and say yes. Yes, we have to choose who we will follow, who we will serve, which way we shall follow, the way of empire or the way of wisdom. And Joshua, you almost get it, but not quite. We don't have to follow conquest. We don't have to follow a jealous, capricious, threatening God. We hum her song and recognize in Amos that what wisdom loves most is our liberation. And we have lost her song when we are unjust, contorted her song into caustic noise. Let justice roll down like water, she sings. That's the song. That's the song. A song to comfort the suffering in Thessalonica, too. A song that reaches from beyond the grave, from beyond the bounds of death. And in Matthew's parable, hmm. Is the song in this fugue the point? Or the counterpoint? Once again, I find the key from Reverend Dr. Towns, who spoke in her lecture of hoarding. The systemic, sinful hoarding of power and wealth that roots so much oppression. And with that tune in mind from Dr. Towns, I read this parable and am reminded of Paul, who says the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. That The wisdom we are to desire is not what the world calls wisdom. And so maybe, maybe, this is the parable of five hoarding bridesmaids who, practicing the wisdom of the world, refused to share from their hoard of oil, slamming the door in the face of the other women. Keep awake, the song says. Keep awake. And maybe the parable is not about the second coming of Jesus and who gets into heaven or not, but about staying woke to the ways the wisdom of the world will shut you out, will slam the door in your face. Keep awake, she sings. Keep awake. Wisdom is radiant and unfading and she is easily discerned by those who love her and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty for she will be found sitting at the gate. And love of her is the keeping of her song. Desire her, sit down with her, learn to sing her songs. Here is one of her songs, in the voice of movement elder and ancestor Rosemary Freeney Harding. There is no scarcity. There is no shortage. No lack of love, of compassion, of joy in the world. There is enough, there is more than enough. Only fear and greed make us think otherwise. No one needs starve. There is enough land and enough food. No one need die of thirst. There is enough water. No one need live without mercy. There is no end to grace and we are all instruments of grace. The more we give it, the more we share it, the more we use it, the more God makes. There is no scarcity of love. There is plenty and always more. Love of her is the keeping of her songs. So by centering Lady Wisdom, you might think I'm saying this as a move against patriarchy, which, in the wake of the hashtag MeToo revelations, would certainly not be a bad move. But I want us to take it one step deeper as white folks. If we want to resist the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of white supremacy and its demonic cousins, if we want to survive this violent and petulant empire and truly want to be free, then I suggest that what we need to do is to center the wisdom of black women, their voices, their experiences, their songs. If whiteness is the center of power, remember we will not find Lady Wisdom there. We will find her at the gates where those judged by whiteness and found wanting live. So my call to action to you this week is to listen to the voices of black women and femmes and let their wisdom work deep on you. Hashtag MeToo was begun by a black woman. Did you know that? Tarana Burke. There's some wisdom. Now to be clear, I'm not asking you to go up to your black friends and ask them to teach you. No. That is the practice of censoring whiteness. What I'm asking us to do is to listen to the voices of black women who already know they are teaching us, who have offered us the gift of their wisdom. Reverend Dr. Towns, for example, Katie Cannon, Audrey Lord, Lucille Clifton, Bernice Johnson Reagan, Rosemary Freedy Harding, Ruby Sales, Alicia Garza, Adrienne Marie Brown. I'll put some suggestions in the transcript. Listen to them down deep in your bones. What songs are they singing? Reflect on how you will center their voices, how you will follow wisdom, divine wisdom, in your work towards liberation. Thanks as always for joining me today. Let us know how your action goes. We'd love to hear from all of you by commenting on We'll be da- we'll be back next week with the amazing Will Green giving us a resistance word for the text for November 19th. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on the word is resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. And transcripts are available as well on our website showingupforracialjustice.org/podcast. The transcripts include references, credits, and copyright information. And finally, a big thanks to our sound editor this week, Lynette McFadson. As always, blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice, and in all that you do to keep Lady Wisdom's songs, and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm Rev. Anne Dunlap. Thank you so much.